but pray for us. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 23, beginning at verse 1. And the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, we worked our way all the way through this psalm, and we've come finally to verse 6. And Lord willing, we'll conclude verse 6 next week, but we'll begin with part A of verse 6 today, which is surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And so in keeping with the themes that we've been running with about how the shepherd leads us and how the shepherd feeds us and how he protects us and how he comforts us. Today, let's focus on the subject of he follows me. Taken from verse six, he, he follows me. If you're with us for the first time today, we've been taking a fresh look at Psalm 23. And this fresh look at Psalm 23 is an intentional effort to not see ourselves primarily as sheep who benefit from the goodness of the shepherd. Yes, that is true. But it's our desire to take off these Western lenses and grab some Eastern lenses and let us focus on the shepherd of the psalm so that we may put our lives in proper perspective as a result of having him in proper focus. You see, a fresh look at Psalm 23 is a fresh look at the shepherd. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. Because life is better when life is focused on the shepherd. Can I get an amen? Life is better when we focus on the shepherd. But as we go into verse 6, I want you to answer this for me. And that is according to the context of Psalm 23, what follows sheep? According to the context and what we've been talking about week after week after week, what are some of the things, according to this passage, that follow sheep? Well, we've seen that the shepherd follows the sheep. Because in the east, when a shepherd has a flock, he can lead or she can lead a flock from out front. He or she can lead a flock from within or they can lead a flock from the rear. So what follows the sheep? The good shepherd follows the sheep. But then also enemies or predators follow the sheep, looking for an opportunity to pounce and to prey upon them and to kill them. Coyotes and wolves and bears and lions, all kinds of animals, enemies that come against sheep 
which are very, very defenseless and can't protect themselves. And that's why the shepherd has to have a rod and a staff to comfort them and protect the sheep with his presence and his power. But also we see in verse 6, not only will the shepherd follow the sheep, and not only will enemies follow the sheep, but in verse 6 is very clear. It says that goodness and mercy shall follow the sheep. Oh my, that's good news. Goodness and mercy shall follow the sheep. Now, the word follow is a word in the Hebrew which means to be in pursuit of. To be in pursuit of. So what's in pursuit of us as God's sheep? And just let me ask while I'm, how, how many God's sheep are out here? Anybody one of his sheep? The sheep of his fold, all right? Can I hear a bye? Can I hear a bye? Bye? We're one of his, praise God. He's branded us. With his presence, we're not the same. And so what follows the sheep, when the Bible talks about goodness and mercy, it's saying that goodness and mercy are in pursuit of sheep. That what's following us is goodness and mercy. And, and it can also be rendered as not only is it in pursuit of us, following us, but it's also up on our heels. It's another way to look at it. Like it's so much on you that it's on your heels. What's on your goodness and mercy? It's just follow me on some days. No, all the days of your life. And I remember when I was younger being in the grocery store with my mother. And sometimes she would give me the joy of pushing the cart because I thought the cart was a racing car. And so you try to push it and get some momentum going and jump on it and then glide for as long as you could. But in Baltimore, one of the legs, were, wheels were always wobbly on the cart. So you're shaking on it. And every now and then, mamas know what I'm about to say. Every now and then, the kid doesn't pay attention and runs up on the heels of mama in aisle six. Back then, it was giant. That was our grocery store, giant. And when that happens, it tests the spirituality of mom when you hit the back of them heels with that cart. But that's the idea of goodness and mercy. It's up on us. We we can't get away from it. That is pursuing us. And not just on Monday, not just on Tuesday. Goodness and mercy pursue us on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Goodness and mercy pursues us on Saturday and Sunday, all of the days of our lives. Goodness and mercy also will hit you up in January. It won't skip February. It'll come after you in March, in April, May, June, all the way through December. Every day, goodness and mercy is pursuing us. And as we'll see, it's not because of something we've done. It's all because of what he has done. And he's a God of covenant and grace towards his sheep. And there are benefits that come to us, yes, that bless us. But these benefits say, Lord, we praise you for being so good and being so good to us. You didn't have to do it, but you did. So what is goodness? What is goodness and what is mercy? If it's pursuing us, goodness is the Hebrew word tob. And it means what is pleasant, festive, pleasing. What is best? What is favorable? So what's pursuing me from this God, from this good shepherd? Pleasantness, festiveness, things that are pleasing. What is best? What is favorable? To sum it up, it is grace or unmerited favor in action. That's pursuing me, which is why when it's pursuing you, you can look back over your life 
And you can see places and times and occurrences where goodness followed your life. Where God opened up doors and made a way when there was no way. When he protected you from danger seen and unseen. Which is why every now and then it's good to just look back over your life. And think things over and then you can truly say that I've been blessed. And that's why I got a testimony. That's why some churches, when they get to shouting, they will say, when I think about Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out to God. So, yeah, Lord, I'm going forward. But when I look back and I see what you've done with your goodness, it gives me courage and encouragement as I go forward by faith. So until my faith becomes sight, I know hindsight is always 2020. He's been good to us. He just doesn't save your soul and care about your soul, which is the most important thing. We're going to heaven. We'll talk about that next week. But he cares about the whole of you. He's a good God. And then mercy is the Hebrew word hesed. Hesed. And it means loving kindness. Loving kindness. Steadfast love. God's faithfulness. So this amazing being that we just enjoyed worshiping. And what we know about him, we know from creation, but also specifically from the Bible and the things he's revealed in our conscience. We know that he is a loving, tender, personable God. He is known to us as father, pater. We could talk to him. We can get on his lap. He's personable like that. And so he blesses us because he is full of loving kindness. He, he has steadfast love. He is faithful. And this word hesed is used hundreds of times in the Old Testament. And it speaks of God's unconditional covenantal love for his people. So it's not just a love that is a feeling. It's a love that is a commitment of the will to pay whatever price that needs to be paid to show love to the one being loved, and we know God paid the ultimate price. But it's a covenant whereby he gets into a relationship, a legal, formal relationship with the one or the sheep that's being loved, and it's an unconditional covenant, meaning that there's nothing that the sheep can do to earn the covenant, to break the covenant, to get out of the covenant, to squander the covenant, because the one who initiates the covenant is the one who has the authority to keep the covenant in spite of the performance or the lack thereof of the one that he's entering into covenant with. So it calls out his unfailing, unconditional love that he would have with people like Israel and that he would have with the church. And if we just break it all down, sheep. Israel is called sheep. The church is called sheep. Thank you, Lord, for entering into this covenant with us. So no wonder when we talk about this, goodness and mercy following us, these are truly attributes of God. So these are just not things. These are personifications of who God is. Why do you say that? Because the Bible says in Psalm 100, verse 5, for the Lord is good. Stop. Goodness and mercy is following me, pursuing me up on my heels. For the Lord is good. This is an attribute of God. And on one hand, it's a communicable attribute because we're supposed to be good. So this is something in the image of God we're supposed to be about goodness. But on the other hand, it's an incommunicable attribute because Jesus said no one is good but God alone. So so our goodness pales in comparison to the goodness of God. 
So there's none like him, even in goodness. So when goodness is pursuing us, it is God pursuing us. And then also the psalmist goes on to say, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever because God is merciful. He is full of mercy. So yes, he's a God of justice and he must punish sin. He cannot pardon without a payment. But married to his justice is also mercy, whereby he says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. That's mercy. You deserve judgment, but I'm not going to give you judgment. I am full of mercy. And somebody ought to say, thank you, Jesus, that he didn't give us what our sins deserve. He could have, but married to his justice and his holiness and his righteous wrath is mercy and grace and kindness and love. And these are the things that pursue sheep all the days of our lives. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a funeral for a black man in a black church that was full of black preachers. And it seemed like everybody at the funeral wanted to come from Psalm 23. And one of the preachers got up and he went to verse 6 and where it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It got so good to him, he couldn't get past the word, surely. He just said, Surely! Folks started shouting, surely! Strong Tower, we're going to grow there, right? I'm just going to say a word, thank you! And then everybody goes, wow! But see, when you can get excited about surely, because surely is just an affirmation. It's really saying amen on the front of what you're about to say. It's saying thank you. My confidence is in the fact that goodness and mercy, I don't deserve it, but I get it, surely. And that's why some have said that Psalm 23, 6 has an equivalent in the New Testament called Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. It's just goodness, it's mercy. It's a God who's able to work stuff out. Surely, the preacher said, and surely David said, But I need you to consider this, though. I need you to consider this. There's something else that follows sheep that's not so clear in this passage. There there is something else. The shepherd follows the sheep, and the enemies of the sheep follow the sheep. We just saw goodness and mercy follow and pursue and get up on the heels of the sheep because of grace. God just blesses. He loves to bless. He loves to encourage. He loves to keep. He loves to be pleasant towards us. We can't earn it. We can only receive it. But there's something else that follows sheep. And I'm about to lose some of y'all real quick. The other thing that follows sheep is dung. Dung. Dung follows sheep. Now, for some of you, this final part of the message is going to be considered gross. Others of you are going to enjoy every word that I'm about to say. Because you're not easily offended. Some of you grew up on ranches. And you're used to having boots just covered in cow and horse manure. Um, So, again, we're Western people interpreting an Eastern book. They were an agrarian people, and many of them made their living dealing with livestock. And if you deal with livestock, especially as a shepherd, you can't deal with sheep unless you deal with dung. So 
permit me to go there today because there's no way we could talk about what follows sheep and not talk about dung, a.k.a. manure, a.k.a. excrement, excrement, a.k.a. feces, a.k.a. waste, droppings, crap, stools, mess, chips, metal muffins, <laughs> poo and poop. <laughs> I ain't going to say that one. Let me tell you something. Sheep eat constantly, and they go to the bathroom constantly. It comes in one end, goes into their stomach, goes into the room, and comes back out. Then it goes back in, and eventually it's coming out. Turn to your neighbor and say, no, don't do that. Um, <laughs> but I need you to reflect on this. Goodness and mercy follow us every day. Because dung and stench follow us every day. You with me? Goodness and mercy follows us because God knows dung follows us. Everywhere we go, there's mess in us and there's mess that comes out of us. But there's this thing called goodness and another attribute called mercy and loving kindness that deals with the dung of every sheep and of every sheepfold. Goodness and mercy are the remedies for our wretchedness. God designed nature whereby dung on the land. Now he did this. God did this. Whereby dung, something nasty on the land, can be transformed into something good for the land like fertilizer. God did that. Fertilizer is either a natural substance or a chemical substance added to soil to increase its fertility. And when the land is fertile, it is productive. So God takes something bad and turns it into something good. That's our God. He takes us, people who are bad, and transforms us into people who are good. A royal priesthood, I believe, Jonathan, you were talking about. A chosen generation. A people who were not a people who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. A depraved people, a sinful people whose works are as filthy rags to God. But God redeems us, buys us out of the slave market of sin and clothes us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. And not only does he change your destiny, he changes your character. And so if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, everything is becoming new. He changes you. He makes you new. Oh, I think about Hezekiah. Won't he make you clean inside? All right. <laughs> Sheep can be the most beneficial of all livestock. Watch how God does this. The manure of sheep. Somebody tested it is the best pH balanced of any domestic livestock there is. The manure of sheep proves to be of enormous benefit to the soil more than any other livestock. What do you mean? In ancient literature, sheep were referred to as those of the golden hooves simply because their presence had a positive effect on the land. Wherever they walked, the capacity to restore the land followed them because their dung was a great fertilizer. So they could eat up a field. They could ravage a field. 
But also they could restore a field, especially under the care of a good shepherd who would go out and take care of the fields. Their manure had a level of potency in it to bring what they ate back quicker and fresher and brighter and greener than any other livestock. So God was able to transform the dung of sheep because of his power to change and transform. Something bad was turned into something good. So goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life because dung and stench follow me all the days of my life. You know where sin abounds? What does grace do? Much more abounds. So whatever is coming out of me, whatever's in me, whatever is gross about me, because Paul said, I find a principle in Romans 7, when I would do good, evil is present with me. So on your best days, there's still dung days. Jerry Bridges once said that no day is so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace and no day is so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace because we still have dung. And because of grace and mercy, God is able to transform my feces into fertilizer and my mess into a message. That's what he does. Abraham's feces were lying, unbelief and polygamy. But goodness and mercy kept following after him and transformed his feces into faith. You don't hear me. Rachel's refuse were idolatry and lying, but goodness and mercy kept following her and transformed her refuse into redemption. Oh, you don't hear me. Moses' mess was murder, but goodness and mercy kept following him and turned his mess into a ministry. Miriam's manure was disrespect for authority, but goodness and mercy kept following her. She couldn't stop it from following her, and her mess was turned into might. David's excrements were adultery, murder, and pride, but goodness and mercy kept following him and transformed his excrement into excellence. Never a king like David except Jesus. Peter's poop was his pride, unbelief, and his big mouth. But goodness and mercy transformed his poop into a powerful preaching ministry. Paul's dung was his own self-righteousness. He said so in Philippians chapter 3. But goodness and mercy kept following after Paul, caught up with him, and transformed his dung into the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So I need to ask you, what, what, what kind of dung do you have? What does your stool look like pastor that's gross well we've got to take self-examination because sometimes we can't appreciate goodness and mercy like we should because we don't think we have dung that needs to be transformed by goodness and mercy i learned something from dr tyler rhyme chisel who's on call today when he preached a couple of months back he said um as human beings there's something impossible that happens with us. It is impossible for a human to smell his own breath. You remember when he said that? Blew me away when he said that. Because I try to do that. <sighs> Don't work. But he said, it's impossible for you to smell your own breath. But the people next to us can smell our breaths. And a lot of time, our breaths don't smell good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Y'all don't want to go with me, but I'm going to go anyway. 
because it's imperative that you brush your teeth three times a day or else. You especially got to hit it in the morning time. Can I get a witness? Because sometimes our breath can smell like dung. Y'all going to act sanctified today. Okay, I'm all right. I'm cool. I'm cool. It's almost time to get out. I'm going to let you out. But we don't know how bad our stuff smells. You ever talk to somebody and you sense, I think this brother is holding his breath while I'm talking to him. Is my breath kicking that hard? So you got to have a mint called grace to pop in. That's why I try every time after I finish preaching, I don't want to slay any of y'all in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I try to keep one in my pocket. I try to keep one because, you know, man. And that's how it is spiritually. We always think somebody else's sin stinks more than ours. We always think somebody else's stuff is worse than ours. We think because we sin differently from someone else that God somehow grades on the curve with us. But that's why we need goodness and mercy, which is unconditional, to deal with our dung. The dung we know about and the dung we don't know about. He's a good, good God. Think about this. Shepherds are acquainted with sheep dung. They're acquainted with it. A shepherd steps in dung all day, every day, with sandals on. Why do they do that? Because a lot of times, look at this picture, they walk behind the sheep. So when they're walking behind the sheep, they're stepping in sheep manure all day every day which is why a lot of people didn't want to be a shepherd because it was a filthy job like maybe it's people who work in a fish market you come home smelling like the fish market you can't get it out of your clothes and out of your skin and when you work with sheep that's why the bible says when jesus was born the shepherds were out in the fields at night nobody wanted to be around them dudes and that's why many times it was a job relegated to the poor because they would take that job that nobody else wanted to take. And they said, hey, it's okay. As long as I get paid, I don't mind smelling like sheep. And so a shepherd not only would step in dung all day, every day, but a shepherd would smell dung every day. A shepherd would smell like dung, go home to his wife or go home to her husband and have to clean off before coming in or they just got used to the smell. And the shepherd would have to wash off dung all of the time, all of the time. But not only the shepherd, but sheep would also step in other sheep's dung. I ain't got time. I don't have time. It's one thing when you drop off what you got to drop off. Then you step in somebody else's stuff that they done dropped off. And next thing you know, the whole sheep fold is now looking like a pig pen because of feces everywhere on everybody. When you got all them sheep walking, you stepping in stuff. When you lay down, it's getting on you, which is why the shepherd has to regularly wash the sheep because sheep can't wash themselves. Because many times, again, that stuff, it may be good for the land, but it may not be good to be on a sheep's coat. It has impurities in it. So the shepherd has to watch. That's why, again, with this psalm, the shepherd does so much work with the sheep. And God does so much work with us. Thank God he doesn't get tired. Our good shepherd is not afraid of our dung. Our dung doesn't surprise him. Our dung does not turn him away. 
In fact, he died for our dung. And shepherds are like gardeners. They both work with dirt, mud, weeds, insect, and dung, i.e. fertilizer. Gardeners work with dung, which is fertilizer. Let's close by reading John chapter 20. I'm just saying we have a good shepherd who's not only a good shepherd who's used to our dung as sheep. And we've all got dung. All God's children have dung. But we're gardener. He's a gardener, too. It says, now, when she had said this, she turned around, speaking of Mary, and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. She's at the tomb. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. She thought he was the gardener. What do gardeners do? They work with fertilizer. They smell. They're dirty. Their hands are dirty. And technically, the good shepherd is also a gardener because he knows how to plant our lives. And when you look at what he did with Mary, goodness and mercy followed her because when she was demonically possessed, when she was living as a prostitute on the street, goodness and mercy was able to get a hold of her, transform her, and change her into an amazing, mighty, precious, beautiful woman of God. That's what this is all about. So, Strong Tower, I leave you with this. Sheep who appreciate God's goodness and mercy, and I hope that's all of us, we are usually quick to offer goodness and mercy to other sheep that need it. The proof that we are proud recipients and grateful recipients and thankful recipients of goodness and mercy that comes after us, whether we're coming after it or going after God or not, every day of our lives, just like when you wake up, you open up two gifts called your eyes and the sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. God does stuff on clockwork because he's a good God. And these things are pursuing us. And when we get forgiveness of our sins, We don't have to go and get a lamb and go to the temple. We don't have to give money at a coffer to pay for our sins and indiscretions. Nobody's going to burn us at a stake or crucify us on a cross. But our sins have been paid for because God was so good and merciful to us. And because I've been forgiven, let me forgive. Because God's been good to me, let him be good through me. Whether someone's a Christian or not whether they're homosexual or straight, whether they're Republican or Democrat, whether they're transgender or whatever, let me be good to people because God is still good to them because he's allowing them to live and with the living there is hope. Let me love people, God. Let me be merciful to people, especially those who are of the household of faith. Let me forgive, Lord. Let me bless, Lord. Because our good shepherd dispenses goodness and mercy to us daily and abundantly and without measure. So I think it would be pleasing to him if we could imitate him by dispensing the same to one another. Let's stand. Let's stand. Chauncey Julius, you're to close us in prayer. Do y'all, can, can y'all give me a verse 
of, of that song. Can, can, can y'all come on up, y'all? And then we're going to head on down for PD's reception. But just give, give us a verse of this. <laughs> 